0: Hi, this is Ryan Bloom from Urban Bonfire. On today's episode of the Fireside Chat, Mark and Lyle Perry of Carisdale Lumber Home in Vancouver, British Columbia. We're gonna talk about what it means to be a 100-year-old business, fourth generation, the challenges and opportunities of what that means, getting through COVID, adapting business from originally being a lumber yard to now being an entire home business with grills and kitchens, gifts, and other types of curated product. And most importantly, the values of relationship, community, employee satisfaction, and the idea of truly emphasizing relationship in everything that we do. Enjoy. I've been really excited about this. Uh, thank you. I mean, thanks for making the time. I know you guys have uh, a million things going on and I, a lot of things that I want to I talk to you about. Um, the first is I want to talk first about generational businesses. And there's really interesting ways that uh, I was thinking before, before today about what we were going to talk about. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, there was this movie in the 90s called Vanilla Sky. Tom Cruise was in it. And I remember one of the scenes, he was a young kid, like maybe eight or nine years old, and he was skateboarding through the hall of his father's media empire. And a secretary was saying, one day that little bastard's going to inherit all of this. And it made me think about generational businesses and you are if I'm not mistaken you're Lyle you're third generation of the business is that right or fourth Fourth there's a lot of both responsibility and and uh, you know it can be seen in generational sometimes as an opportunity and sometimes as as a challenge and I guess Mark to you first um what was it like being was it was it was it I don't know if the right word is, was it force? Was it something that you really wanted? And it, how did that happen? Sort of grandfather to father to you? How did that play into education, hobbies, passions, other things? I'd love to hear about it.
1: Yeah, well, okay. So um, it was sort of a foregone conclusion. I was uh, the oldest child. Uh, I had two younger sisters. Um, this was an industry that wasn't... Uh, wasn't an industry for for women back then, you know. It was just that's not not something they did. So nobody even considered my sisters to be involved. Um, I was terrible at school, um, you know. Managed to get through uh, high school and and then sort of had trouble sort of finding my way. And so I just ended up landing here. I I I worked part time my whole life, and um, and then I just you know. Ended up starting working here, and um, it was a it was good and bad. You know, it was a bit of a struggle. My dad and I clashed a bit, um, and but uh, I'm w- I'm so lucky to have had this opportunity. It's uh, it's worked out so well. Um,
0: And I know you're now, I I think you're about a year or two away from a hundred years on the Carisdale lumber uh, name. And now really Lyle with you having now, I believe taken this, this lead, this lead role as the fourth generation. uh, What does it mean to you? A hundred years. I mean, you don't hear that about a lot of, of businesses that have reached a hundred years and uh, you know, What's that like for you, the, the, the excitement, the response, nervous butterflies? I mean, what's that like for you?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a nostalgic person, so uh, I really love the idea of carrying for the tradition of the business, um, uh, regardless of it being in the Perry family or not. Um, but the idea of care is no you know, spanning all these different times in modern history and surviving is something that like is a cause that I am really proud to represent. Um, yeah. there's a certain amount of pressure. Uh, I think Mark felt it as well. Um, like the, uh, that you, know, you don't, don't screw it up on your watch kind of pressure. But, um, yeah. I really do, I really view it as a challenge. It's something I'm, I'm very proud of and, Um, uh, like my grandfather, he still, uh, well, you know, before COVID, he would still come into business all the time and check on things. And I like the idea of, um, uh, you know, maybe me, me being that guy at some point in my life too.
0: Yeah, it's real awesome.
1: we are by the way 100 years old this year. Uh, um, this year, I'm sorry, this is the start of 1921. Um, okay. and you know, you've heard that shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. So that was me. Um, and it almost happened uh, back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. You know, uh, economy was really on the ropes, and we had um big box hardware stores coming into our, our, our market there was a big great big uh, shootout amongst some of the other big guys in town and we were caught the crossfire um, yeah we almost shut it down but uh, I, I asked for a few more years and it worked so um, it's and it's worked extremely well
0: yeah. it's a great lead into something that I wanted to I, I guess it, it's it's Less of a question and more um, me sharing my, my experience of, of relationship with you. And, and I think that from what I have seen in the maybe half a dozen times that I have visited you at different times over the last few years, I, I've noticed certain things that um, in many ways, I don't know if they necessarily protect from competition, but they are certainly reminders of some really interesting principles. And if I can, I'll I'll share with you what I mean. Um, As you know, I've spent much of the pre-COVID, much of the last few years traveling and visiting with existing dealer partners, new ones, things like that. And I typically land at an airport and rent a car or jump into an Uber and, and go visit and get maybe half an hour or an hour of someone's time. My first experience landing in Vancouver was on a weekend where Mark came to pick me up at the airport, took me to a beautiful lunch overlooking the water. And there it never felt like a supplier customer thing. It felt like two colleagues talking about opportunity and things like that together. And and the next day I was at the the old location prior to your move, which we'll talk about. And there's Reza grilling out in the back lumber yard and you've got 30 relationships, contractors, builders, people, seems almost like like family members sitting around, nothing fancy, no white tablecloth, just, but everybody feeling like they're part of mm-hmm. this ecosystem and this community. And I think that is from the way I, what I love about business and what I have so enjoyed in getting to know you and and spending time with you and and working with you is I don't know whether that is a written rule or that is just part of your culture but it feels like that is interwoven into everything that you do and it makes you it really makes you stand out amongst you know amongst other types of businesses and other styles and I think it's It defies technology, it defies e-commerce, it defies, uh, you know, price in some cases. It's, I want to do business with companies like yours. And I'd love to hear, is that something that has been generational that you've added to learned from? How did this become, it's a long question. How did this become a guiding principle for, for you and, and it, it trickles all the way to your staff as you walk in the door, no one knowing who I am walking in and just, you know, the young lady at the cash, it, it's a different experience than walking into a big box or anything else. And how did you get there? How did you do this?
1: Go in this way, I that. So, you know, I can't speak to my grandfather. I certainly knew him, but uh, I never worked with him, but certainly my dad was very, uh, uh, he stressed, uh, Community. We're we're the epitome of a community-run store. Um, Supporting the community both with financially, you know, sponsoring teams, things like that. But just, uh, just really, really uh, uh, understanding the people that that support you and 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 supporting them in turn. Um and I and and I, I think I might have taken it to the next level. I think I did. Uh um and and you know I've imparted that w- with Lyle and with the staff. Um I, I, I talk about supporting the community that supports us a lot. And uh I, I, I both of us are, are are somewhat social guys. We we like people, we like people we work with and we like the people who come through our door every day so um uh we want to celebrate that and and nurture that and it's uh, it works yeah and family and community are are a big part of our culture and we don't use that term cheaply um someone that uh works for us definitely feels like a family member and we we all you know we heard together. We're happy together. We like to have fun together, um, and that that just I think that vibe rubs off, and it, and it's it, it is very important to our success. People well, feel like we are in here.
0: And I remember having been at a couple of the you know different events at different times. And I remember after sort of the you know the quote unquote clients had had left, and we were just sort of hanging out in the old atrium area, the beautiful glassed in area that Mark, you told me the story of you know, what that was in terms of budget and over budget to create that. I remember that story, but I also (laughs) remember your employees who were, I guess, supposed to be there for the event, but didn't, you know, didn't have to stay later and hang out, but it felt like uh, Naomi, Alicia. Now, last time I met Tessa and Reza and Chris, like people wanting to just be around in that it wasn't about employee and like I'm clocked in, I'm supposed to, I'm not, they just wanted to be, around all of it and and that's that's a very hard thing to accomplish in in any age but especially in today's day and age where there's it's an amazing thing that you've almost sort of defied the idea of millennials and what they want and how they want to work and you've almost changed the the definition of the employee employer relationship without ever compromising I think on standards because I know you also and last time I visited you were dealing with a very stressful situation where uh, you know a a team member had not conducted themselves at the level of your standards and that was a very difficult and emotional thing for you I remember Mark you talking about it I I know Reza has been with you for uh, I'm going to be off on my numbers more than 20 years
1: yeah 30 I think or very close
0: I don't know many people who are employees who've been with companies for that period of time, and a lot of your employees have been with you for really long stretches. How do you how do you accomplish that?
1: Well, I think loyalty is a two way street, um, and uh, people are good to us because we're good to them, and uh, you know, and, and vice versa. Um, and, and really i i think people you know we're, we're social creatures we have a, a desire for community and, and and belonging and we we just we try to nurture that feel when you're here you spend way too much time at work throughout your life to not enjoy the people you work with and to not have fun with the people that you don't enjoy working with too you know um or the or perhaps people that you don't see eye to eye with uh, to be able to at least have a good time uh, and and it, that's something that um, was never explicitly really taught to me by you, Mark, but I, I definitely saw it and learned from you um, that it was really valuable for the company. And I think a key reason to have you know, the longstanding key employees that we have in an industry that has a ton of turnover. When we interview people, um, we, uh, we really are uh, focused a lot on uh, is this person a cultural fit? And uh, we try and elicit um, re- reactions and, and in, by, you, you, know, you know, using uh, tricky questions uh, to uh, try and get to the bottom of that. And, you know, we talk about smiling, you know, like, you know, uh, a lot of people are uptight when they get interviewed for yeah. a job. So we try and, you know, get them uh, get them out of that and, and make them feel relaxed and then see how they react. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, it generally works. It's not, you know, some people control you. We've been pretty lucky. We've got a lot of long-term employees, as you said. It's uh, yeah. something I'm more proud of than anything else, really. So I love that. And, you know, someone someone like Reza, you know, mm-hmm. this, is, this is his business just as much as it is mine. Maybe even more. Like, the, the people that work here have, have real pride mm-hmm. in, uh, in the company. And not, they, you know, what more
0: could the gospel? They do, and I remember coming back. Stefan coming back from 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 an event, and we were sort of having our, our recap chats as we usually do, and you know him remarking, "What an incredible thing it is when you have somebody like Reza, who you can tell has your backs." just in an incredible way in terms of, you know, not only the values that you put forward, but also really being very protective of, of you and of the family and, you know, what more could you ask for from, you know, from an employee of someone who really feels that way. And, you know, in a, in a society which is so driven by me first, me first in so many ways to have an empathetic person or an empathetic team that is we first it's such a rarity um, that it's, it, 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 it's not something to be unnoticed or to be taken lightly because that doesn't happen by accident. That's something that takes a lot of work and a lot of time. And, and you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. I, I, I think it's, I'm sure you do celebrate it, but it, it's something that every time I visit, I know and I feel, even if I can't necessarily articulate in that moment, I just sort of know it. Come coming in and it's it's a really nice thing oh,
1: it's nice to hear actually thank you Ryan
0: yeah, Really is. I I don't remember you know a, a client ever sort of saying you know let's take the afternoon and we're going to take you boating and we're going to take you like it made it it, it, it <clears> created an experience and it's it it creates a relationship that you know allows for allows for really meaningful conversation and to and to grow with each other and I, I think that's that's what's been established.
1: We um, only do that with the good guys.
0: Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a crazy story because uh, you know I think you remember when Urban Bonfire was in the retail local business here in in Montreal, we'd obviously heard a lot about Carisdale Lumber and we heard the name Reza. Of course, there were, you know, whether it was from Kalamazoo or other reps, we were doing a lot of things that were somewhat similar in our approach. We were, you know, the newbies. And, you know, and I, I remember, I remember it so vividly at the HPBA show in 2018, um, Sabre had given us a little piece of their booth to bring our first, right off, the manuf- right off the prototype line, it went to that show. And I don't know if you remember, but um, you and Reza met Stefan at that show. I yeah. visited you several months later and I had to leave that show because my daughter, who was a year and a bit at the time, was really, really sick. She had like 105 fever. I jumped on a plane and left and didn't get to meet you. But I remember Stefan saying Lyle and Reza from Carisdale Lumber came by and they want to talk to us. And that to me was just like, Holy shit. <clears throat> like it, 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 it meant a lot because there was such respect in the industry for what you had done and what you, what you were doing in this category. So, it was a bit of a defining moment when I got on that plane to come to Vancouver that first time. And it was just like it was a really, really big deal for me.
1: Well, and and to be honest, that we had very similar thoughts about your operation when we were, you know, when we were hearing about it. And I do remember meeting Stefan and I think we were in the saver hoods like to you know to beat up our rep about something, you know, like um, some opportunity to grill them and uh, and we had tried, you know, we, we've had a fair bit of experience with some uh, some lines that are, uh, you know, that are similar to yours, and and yeah. we're left wanting, and um, but we didn't know there was anything better, and and, and here's this this guy Stefan, and we started talking to him. I I, I, I think casually, um, yeah, and, and by the end of that conversation, it, like resident and I knew that something significant had just happened. Uh, so it, it was, it was very cool. And uh, that's, that's why those shows are great.
0: Yeah. And when I visited you that first time, I was, I was really humbled when Mark, I don't know if, if you even remember this, Mark, but you pulled a folder out and you had six or seven of the articles or things that I'd written in different trade magazines and you'd actually kept a file on it. And that was, again, it, it just, it was another sign that made me feel real special. And it wasn't just like, you know, this is not just a dealer. This is, you know, this is something, this is something different and special and, and, you know, it, it just, it meant a lot and um, yeah, it's just been, it's well, been a well,
1: lot of fun. We, we, like, you know, similar to the line about mm-hmm. the people you work with, you, you spend way too much time with your suppliers to have some arm's length uh, supplier client relationship. You know, we look for business partners and. And that's where we see our success is, is with those companies that view us in like too. Yeah, partners, not suppliers.
0: It's an interesting thing and it's actually a really good segue because you know uh, coming up on or a hundred years now and Carisdale Lumber in its name started really in, as far as I know in the lumber business and really the construction supply business. and. It, it's completely natural that every company over time evolves, changes. You know, I, I'm sure that Steve Jobs wasn't thinking about AirPods when he built his first, you know, Mac in, in 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 the garage. And that's just natural progression. But you've really expanded. And I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, starting in lumber and then how you've evolved now into Carisdale Lumber Home in a completely new experience that has Gift section, house goods, uh, beautiful candles that I know Mark, uh, your wife has been very really involved in in curating. How did it evolve from lumber into you know barbecue to luxury premium to full outdoor kitchen to you know this experiential environment? That how did this help me understand the the history of this a little bit?
1: Well, um, you know I, I spoke earlier about you know, the rough ride we had in the late 80s, early 90s, and um, uh, had to just sort of reinvent the business. Um, and, you know, barbecues didn't happen just then, but we made some adjustments uh, as to how we did business and it started to work. And, and then I, um, I started looking at who was coming through our front door every day and trying to understand sort of what, what they were sort of, who, yeah, who it was. And uh, n- number one we, we noticed that there was a, a lot of um, female customers coming through the door and you know for building supply it was like probably a lot higher percentage than most mm-hmm. um, and I had always been a barbecue uh, keener. Uh, my parents were very early adapters of the, the old Weber kettle um, and um, I thought, you know let's Let's experiment. Let's bring in some Weber barbecues. So we brought in twelve barbecues and we sold them right away. And um, um, this was, uh, I think, around year two thousand. And um, so we kept reordering, reordering, and that that area uh, in our store started sucking up a huge amount of area in our store. Um, so uh, we decided to. Um, carve off part of our lumber yard and build this, uh, it's a, it was a greenhouse structure. <clears throat> I I uh, was uh, thinking about some of the, the glass and steel buildings that, that you see in Europe. Um, uh, we were uh, trying to celebrate our age at the time and make the store look older, because um, we were an older store. We had been through all sorts of different um, uh, renovations, you know, in the 50s and the 60s. And, 70s and so we were started to make it look older and uh so we built this greenhouse structure and um, at this around about the same time we started going to the hbba show and we a resident i sat in on a seminar where there was a fellow who uh, he didn't sell any barbecues on carts he was all built in and uh he talked about you know how how it was really booming down in the southern states and even on the eastern seaboard where the weather was way colder than here and and we looked at ourselves and said, wait a minute, they can be doing that there, we should be able to do that in Vancouver, no problem. So we built some kitchen vignettes and uh, started engaging contractors and designers and and, um, started growing that outdoor kitchen business, not at the expense of grills on carts. but uh, uh, as, an, as an addition to that, and that, that part of the business is, is where we're seeing some significant growth now. Uh, it's taken a little bit longer, but we are lucky up here in Canada to have somewhat accurate crystal ball uh, watching what goes on in the United States. And, and so we just followed that, and, and, it's, and we were very early adopters, and uh, it's really paying off. Yeah, those were that those existing relationships we had in the building supply business were, I I think, quite key with um, outdoor kitchen adoption, or at least having the right list, uh, yeah, and, and and a very good relationship with the people that can can get something like that off the ground
0: in this market. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's been. I think the timing was great. If you look at you know the the boom in Vancouver real estate and the incredible secondary home market that you know Vancouver has in and around it it really and and weather frankly that and it's interesting you know we talk about being in Canada and often you know there's this perception sometimes in the U.S. that Canada kind of has the same weather across across everything and how different the weather can be between, you know, Vancouver and Montreal on, on the same day, you know, a difference of, of, you know, 30, 30, 35, 40 degree swings in some ways uh, that we see, it's, it's an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen a, a cultural or a, a shift in the type of customer that, and, and you said when you started the outdoor kitchen and those you, really a little bit more on the contractor focused, what have you seen over the last several years as the category grows and the style of things grow? Are you seeing changes in the customer typology as well?
1: We we are yeah. Um, it's it's getting more it's getting more high end. So I, I would I'd say there's it seems that there's growth actually on both sides of the spectrum. Um, there's this emergence of the this ultra high end customer that. Um, <laughs> Vancouver is now familiar with but you know what wasn't 20 years ago um, and was just getting a taste of 10 years ago um and that has really that's really changed things in terms of our you know how we are wanting to position ourselves but in the outdoor kitchen market too like it's it's a lot more accessible now than it ever was um programs like your your quick ship um make it the barrier to entry a lot lower, um, so definitely some you know some growth in the high end or or, or more affluent people in the area, and um, and that's not just in the you know Vancouver proper area. This is in the the, the region as a whole, um, and the excessive yeah that low, lower end growth too in that in the category. Um, it seems like people especially this year, but, but it was moving this way before, they're, they're starting to get more creative with what they want to do outside. Um, it's not, they're not seeing this as uh, a permanent barbecue. They're, they're, they're really starting, I think starting to get that this is, uh, this can be just as powerful as of a, of a, a family or friend entertaining area as your, your inside kitchen. Um, yeah. And they're starting to have fun with the different appliances that are out there um, and the functionalities that, that make it as easy as an indoor kitchen. I was sort of surprised at how long it took for um, for the, uh, the industry, uh, the design industry, particularly to embrace outdoor kitchens. Uh, maybe it was because I was watching it, you know, how, how it was flourishing in the United States. Uh, and I was getting frustrated that we weren't sort of feeling <laughs> that same love. But, uh, it's, it's now now they're now they're they're getting it and um, um, you know I I I don't know that there's any new houses in our trading area that don't have some sort of an outdoor kitchen built in it's you know for, bang for your buck you know uh, house value wise um, uh, is 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 good or better than anything else you can do uh, and retrofitting your house same thing.
0: Um, Outdoor space activation on on a per square foot basis comparatively to indoor, I mean, it's 25, 30 cents on the dollar. If you think about what people spend to build the indoor kitchen space per square foot and you take a fraction of that and you amortize it over often a larger physical area, you know, with pergolas, heat, lighting, fire, kitchen, you can really turn something into a room and you don't need to spend, you know, excessive or, or stupid money to do it. You can if you want, but you can also make something incredible. Um, it's, it's a nice thing. Mark, I, your point is really interesting and well taken that you, I think you mentioned a minute ago, you know, why was there this sort of lag in the design side of grill and outdoor kitchen for, for a long time? I asked myself that question a lot. I, I think one of the biggest reasons, and it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago, I think that it was something that was, it was a category that women were not welcomed into with open arms. It was a very male centric category that was led by an appliance first. Unlike the indoor cooking, which has led, you know, you've heard my spiel, I'm not going to bore you, but where, where it's a completely different consumer experience historically, indoor versus outdoor. And I think that's been one of the reasons why it didn't take off for so long. But now, why it is on this like hockey stick like curve is because it's aligned with the fact that women make 80% of familial buying decisions. And now they're being welcomed into this category where historically they were not. Yeah. So I think those two things are, are, are big factors in this.
1: Yeah, and, and, and people are starting to, there's a, not really keeping up with the Joneses, but there's, there's, like a, there's a critical mass of outdoor kitchens out there right now where a lot of people are exposed to them, not in the last year. Um, but no like uh, yeah a lot of people are visiting their friends with these things and getting a taste of um what outdoor living can be well, i know we spend more time in our indoor kitchens but n- nothing feels like that that feeling when you're outside and the weather's nice and um you have family and friends around and you know, the food and the drinks are flowing it's just it's uh, it's a, a very magical thing very very magical
0: Well, hopefully COVID uh, sooner than later is a thing of the past and uh, that starts again. Um, It brings me to wanting to chat with you about COVID and, and, you know, you were already in the midst of a move from a location that you were at for, if my math is right, 99 years to moving to a new location, the challenges of construction, permitting, build outs, the the, the costs, the headaches, the challenges that come with that. And again, to, I can't not mention speaking to the relationship and the character as you were in the planning stage of your outdoor department, Mark, you get on a red eye flight from Vancouver. You fly overnight to basically come to Montreal for a few hour meeting with Stefan and I, a dinner, You sleep in your hotel and you get back on a flight the next morning. You basically spend as much time in the air as you did in Montreal, but you made the trip to, it sounded like just to see and explore and want to learn and know everything you could. Again, completely an anomaly in the way most clients do things. And and I need to point out that it was really, it was special. And it just, it just demonstrates your, your commitment to doing things as well as you possibly can. Um, And then you get hit with COVID literally as you're in the middle of this move or just wrapping it up, talk about deflating. Like what, 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 how did you, how did you deal with this? Not only the finance, the emotional part of it, the, the, the unknown, like must've been.
1: Yeah. really really bad it was was really bad
0: (laughs) i imagine
1: yeah yeah, you know i i saw um you know uh, everything uh my my whole career collapsing is you know that's you know except because i didn't know what was going on you know i thought we were going to have to shut our business down you know after yeah you know we built two new stores we're over budget in a huge way um we're coming into spring which is a time when we really have to we really count on to to you know bore bore our year, and uh, then we got to close our doors. We you know we didn't close, but we closed our doors to the public, and we you know delivered curbside. But um, it was a it was a terrible terrible experience, and you know and it was right after the move, which uh, was right after building two stories, which is super stressful, and um, um, yeah, it was it was not fun at all. And I, you know, I, I, I'm sure I was suffering some form of PTSD or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it like I, I worked 45 days straight up until the opening. I think I have, I had, uh, uh my second child was just born. So I, I did have to spend a little more time at home with Mark. I think you were like yeah two, two or three months straight. Yeah. 100 and 157 days in a row I worked. Um, um, got the store open and this store is a crowning achievement. It's, 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 it's a realization of personal Lumber home is a realization of Mark and Rez's vision of what this business could be. And then that week was the week where at the beginning of the week, it was kind of like, Oh, what's, I guess this is kind of real. And at the end of that week, it was, we were, yeah, we, were, we had shut our doors. It was very well- deflating.
0: As someone and, uh, who has as someone who has visited you at multiple times during that journey when I saw it first on plan when the building was being framed and then visiting you and putting on hard hats and walking through the space with all of the exposed places for ventilation and where things were going to go to the only time I have been on a plane since uh, March of last year was to come out to, you know, to to be there in, in in the late summer, early fall, to see the store, I think you did a you did an absolutely beautiful job, and it's 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 not easy in retail space design to make something feel both um, warm and cozy and not too plan that it feels like a museum and you don't want to touch anything, but not cluttered and things that are just throw, like you've accomplished a very nice blend of um, uh, I used to use the term of, of like um, country sweet and city smart which is not an easy thing to to do and I know Alejandra obviously had a, had a big uh, part in the in the home collection uh, parts Mark you were telling me but it's it's evolved there's more product there's more uh, how did this, how did this evolve into this, this this new or this refined concept?
1: Well, we spent a lot of time with uh, some design consultants, um, and it wasn't just us. It was we had uh, a lot of people on staff giving input. We spent a lot of time speaking to our customers. Uh, a good example, we would ask them, sir, you know, what would you miss? And and everybody talked about the floor. We had had a, a, a old wood floor, and um, so we recreated that. I think in, a, in a, and we did a great job of it. Uh, um, uh, we've we've celebrated the fact that our roots are in wood, and so there's lots of uh, wood accents in the store. Uh, and we also have a lot of um, historical photographs, um, uh, which. Luckily, uh, I was able to keep you know, my, my grandfather took a bunch of photographs. Um, my dad, not so much. But uh, we've got some great photos on the walls here celebrating our, our, uh, our age.
0: I, I uh, remember remarking in the kitchen design department on the screen, you have these beautiful historic photos that are on a streaming thing. And, and I remember when I was there noticing those and how much they... In a in a subtle way, reinforce the story and reinforce the sort of that history in the community that you you talked about earlier.
1: Yeah, we didn't want to have that lost on our uh, on our uh, our customers and and uh, community that we're, we're serving. You know, I, I one thing that's often not spoken about in a new build is, I mean, like we also brought we brought over all of our people. Um, uh, it wasn't, there wasn't some big job fair, um, you know, to establish this new store. Um, most of the people have been here for more than 10 years that work here. And uh, I think that really helps with the feel for the people that have been coming here, that grew up in Carysdale, that grew up in Vancouver's West Side, that have been coming here for a long time. The, the continuity of the friendly face um, was very important to us too and that yeah the floors that was a um we really had to fight for them with the designers and the and the builder because it's um the the idea of putting fur floors in a modern retail space is uh, uh not common let's just yes. say
0: yeah but it's uh not common, I think, is good. Those are the sort of those are the parts and the pieces that people really they remember, whether they can articulate it and they or it's or it's in the subconscious. It's what reinforces those types of things. I think uh, it was. It's just it was. It's so bright and colorful, and I just I really even when I was there, I spent a good hour just exploring the store as if I was a uh, as if I was a customer. Um, and really enjoyed the experience there's a lot of really really fun and thoughtful product that you've brought in it's 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 a fun place to be it's a really fun place to be Um, if you have crystal ball lyle i guess looking at as fourth generation where do you think and i want to focus a little bit on this outdoor category whether it's outdoor cooking outdoor design Most industry experts say we're just scratching the surface. We're literally just getting started. This thing has the the upswing possibility because there is such an historic lag, even in extremely wealthy areas and homes. In new construction now, you're right, people are gravitating towards let's do the outdoors. But there's a whole bunch of home that was built five or 10 or 20 years ago and the outdoors wasn't activated in the same way. Where do you see this going, at least in, in your community and in, in the area that you know as, as home?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and still, we see plans of homes or we're doing outdoor kitchens where uh, the outdoor space feels somewhat of a, of a bolt-on or, or added, you, you know, like it's the side of the house, let's, let's plug something in here. Um, but on the flip side of that, we are starting to see some, some drawing sets of some really cool homes where the indoor and like the blending of the indoor of and outdoor space is more subtle, mm-hmm. um, where it's not like a, a hard stop it's now we're in the exterior. Um, so a lot more, uh, covered features, um, uh, extended roof lines that allow, uh, covered outdoor space because it does rain in Vancouver um, mm. that could be used year round. So I I, I think it's getting a little more intentional, um, and some architects have really embraced it and and uh, it, yeah, like like more of a continuity of uh, from the, the the indoor to the outdoor space, less of yeah. a less of a hard stop. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, who'd heard of a nano wall 15 years ago where, you know, it used to be the visual was completely, you know, you had basically a door or a, now you have full, you know, full connectivity visually. And that's what we're seeing. You know, the historically, the outdoor kitchen was for the person who avidly loved to cook. And that's really changed where in so many cases now it's becoming an aesthetic or a design feature first, and the use of it, you know, what grill BTUs, it's almost, or in many cases has become somewhat secondary as designers want to create the look and feel of, of the of the space first. It's really, it's a real shift because 10 years ago, if you had an outdoor kitchen, it was most likely because you just love to cook outdoors. It wasn't so much about the aesthetic. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and, and it's, I mean, it's, it's great the more, um, yeah, it's, it's like taking away a cons- uh, design constraint, I think.
0: Yeah, it Really. Yeah. amazing.
1: Or maybe one that didn't exist.
0: I, I, look, I think it's constantly evolving. And I think the more that designers who historically didn't touch the outdoors now do it and want to put their design emblem or their mark on the total project, uh, that just that in of itself, I think, is a huge driver for the future. I think it's just yeah. going to be a very really different thing. It's exciting. I think we're, I think we are in a very exciting industry that's really just sort of coming into itself in terms of what's possible. It's, uh, it's yeah, very- I agree. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that you th- thanks to uh, thanks to COVID, you know, you know, um, people have really, uh, really appreciated. Their, their homes, and I don't see this slowing down at all. I think that uh, the it, it's been set now. Uh, sure, people are gonna start traveling again when they're able to, but I don't think at the extent that they, they have in the past and um, having a, a home where it's really, really nice to hang out in the backyard uh, is, is much more important. And that, our growth opportunities in this industry are absolutely off the dock. It's I, not; it, it doesn't seem to be constrained to a yard thing too. Like we're, we're seeing a lot of growth in the multifamily side of things too. Oh, uh, right, right. And uh, yeah, so, it, and, and, and there's, there's lots of that going on in Vancouver. For so sure. people want to be outside
0: where the most fun and the best memories are often created. You know, when we were having the, uh, the little back, uh, the party I referred to earlier with your contractor clients, if that had been an indoor environment, it would have had a different chemistry and experience to it. There's something about being outdoors that it's just freeing and, and more fun. And it's just, it's just different. So, um, yeah. I wanna thank you both for, not only for your time, I really appreciate it, but uh, I think I've told you this, but you know, even to say it kind of publicly, um, the partnership with Carisdale Lumber and your team has been, if not the one of the great drivers of our business. You've pushed us to be better. You've called us on things that needed to be improved. Um, and we're a better company, we have better products because of it. And uh, I don't take that lightly. And um, it, this will always be one of the relationships that will, you know, in our foundation that um, I look to in terms of where we are today, you guys play a big part in it. And uh, I thank you for it in a, in a huge, huge way.
1: Thank, thank you, Ryan, thank you, Ryan. And, and, and right back at you. Um, Thanks. You, you, you've done great things for our business too. You have, you're a, you're a visionary and uh, yeah, yeah, you've helped us a lot and uh, I so look forward to our, uh, the rest of our business careers together.
0: I can't wait to have you guys to Montreal for more than 12 hours or uh, to come back and visit you soon. I hope I hope uh, sooner than later. Um, we'll sign off, please uh, extend my very best to, uh, to Reza, to Naomi, to Tessa, to Chris to Alejandra, to, to your teams, um, please continued health, safety, uh, success. And, uh, hopefully next time I see you, it's not through, uh, through a video screen. It's, uh, we can go yeah. get a bowl. Of, we can go get a bowl of ramen together. Hopefully soon. Okay. Thanks so much for the time. Thank Be well. Bye-bye. 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 Bye now. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the fireside chat with Mark and Lyle Perry of Caresdale Lumber Home. I hope you are able to hear and feel as much as I do how important these people have been to me, to Urban Bonfire, because we have been growing together as true partners. Their respect, their support, their feedback, and treating us like friends and family and not like just a supplier has meant everything to us as we've grown urban bonfire over the last few years it is an honor and a pleasure to call them friends clients and colleagues thanks for listening please subscribe to the fireside chat on apple on spotify or on google or wherever you get your podcasts follow us on instagram on linkedin at urban bonfire and track us on youtube